Namaskaram. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, rather. <coughs> Anandima is on her way here shortly, so uh, we'll have darshan once he gets here. In the meantime, if you have any questions, I can be happy to answer those for you. Yeah. The question has been asked recently about um, the worship of Lord Ram on this path. The what? The worship of Lord Ram. The worship. Mm. Yeah. And um, how how would you explain that to people who are new to the path and just learning about it? Well, again, who or what is Ram? That's the first question. The the uh, reality, so to say, is that there is the formless and the form, the form of the divine with qualities and the form of the divine without any qualities or attributes. And of course each person has their own, so to say, uh, acceptance or a mindset if you want to call. In India we call it the Prakruti. What is the tendency of the mind of the person to, to relate to the divine? So whatever that is, that is how you know you, you worship the Lord. So even within the, the broad aspects of different paths to reach uh, the Absolute, what we call as in the process of bhakti or devotion, through the process of jnana or knowledge, and of course through the uh, techniques of yoga or union, so a person may be on any one of these paths and let us say having that focus of Ram as that absolute. So for the devotee naturally, you know, there is a, an acceptance or a correlation, a level of comfort to, to, so to say with the personal form of the divine which is Ram. Uh, for the yogi, that same goes into the form of the soul, what we call Atmaram, to attain that state of union through the different techniques. And again, for the uh, person who is on the path of knowledge, it is through that attainment of who am I, so that that. Ram and I are one, having that state which of course falls into the category of yoga as well. But however one starts out, eventually the experience or the understanding is that there is no difference between the form and the formless, the one with attributes and one with no attributes, because it is form that formless that the form has taken place. As the scripture says, the Ayanyogiji stated all the time, there is no difference between the ocean and the wave. You know, we call something that constantly expresses itself differently from the ocean as the wave. Similarly, there is no difference between the sun and the rays of the sun. They are one and the other. So the three forms, again, what we get out of the faucet when we turn it on, we call water. We boil water and, and we call what's coming out of that water as steam. 
and when we take the same water and put it in the freezer and we call it ice but it's still the same no matter what in essence so similarly the worship is how the individual feels comfortable and wants to accept that as a, as a tool to reach the absolute but at the final stages or higher states of evolution that understanding that realization will come that there is no no difference between any aspects of form whether ram was the personal form who incarnated and was the king of ayodhya or the son of someone and husband of someone and so on and so forth uh, for again uh, the yogi and for for the gnani it is that state of the soul which is you know the absolute that needs to be realized as either it's a ball of light or a form of fire whatever that correlation may be ultimately it's it's all one and the same there is no no difference at all so it's just a matter of individual choice whatever one correlates to but the guideline is that you follow what is scripturally based what has been experienced and given that this is the path and if you follow that that is what you will reach so whatever may be the ladder so to say whether the ladder is made of stone or wood or silver or gold or steel or aluminum doesn't matter the important thing is reaching there climbing up so whatever may be the form of worship it is just a pathway to reach there that's all so whatever one is open to and accepting that's fine again in the spiritual text of ramayana when ram was there as as an incarnation there were millions of people so to say seeing him but then each person saw him in the form that they had the concept of who god is or who the divine being is so it is how the individual what we call bhav which is feeling or attitude is is how the divine should be or must be or or that basically based upon the level of evolution of the soul what the mind is willing and ready to accept that is how the lord will present himself or herself yeah uh, my question is regarding um i started on the spirituality right now and then i heard or read uh, the books and i read like if you don't follow the practice like 100% the energy that you're feeling in your body it, it can just go away after a while so i just wanted to understand from you guys that it, is it like you have to have a set practice every day like you have to practice so many hours and meditation on daily basis or is it something like that it comes to naturally because it came to me naturally and i do feel a um, lot of energy around me inside all around me so i wasn't sure how to handle it or how to uh, i mean manage it so i started meditating but then i don't want this bliss to go away either you know if i don't practice so that's the kind of i would say not a fear exactly but kind of kind of um 
I would say, uh, kind of dilemma for me, like how, mm. how long should I meditate every day that I just keep this going or what path I should follow so I could re reach to the ultimate goal, whatever the goal is assigned for me or for my soul. So, you know, we all have a physical body and to keep ourselves, uh, to be able to function, have energy and do all the things that we, we need to do in life or wish to do in life, we eat. You know, maybe once a day, maybe thrice a day, whatever that may be. So, but that eating of food is, 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 is a part that is necessary to function. Similarly, for spirituality, there needs to be a practice. And just as you eat daily, there ideally needs to be a daily practice. However short or long that is, is, is you know, up to the individual to decide what are the priorities in life, what is very, very important for you. Uh, the thing is, whatever practice you do, uh, you know, whatever you are experiencing is if you are just doing things on your own, it is great. It is indicating that, you know, uh, your past lives, you have done some practice and that's why you are continuing to experience that bliss or whatever other experiences you are having as a part of the evolution. But then if you are on your own, it is likely it is going to plateau out and stagnate. If you want to go grow further from where you are, you can choose any path, any teacher. But it is quite significant and important that you do seek uh, a spiritual teacher and follow a path that is to your liking so that you continue to evolve from the energy of the teacher and the lineage and that you don't stagnate or, or stop after that. And yes, some practice is definitely important, uh, but again, you know, it cannot be said uh, how much you should or how much you shouldn't. Technically, Dhyan Yogi used to recommend that once your Kundalini is awakened through the process of Shakti path, then you will continue to move along and the energy won't go away. But it's like, of course, if you practice, then the energy will continue to expand. But if you don't do anything with it, it's going to remain stagnant within you. It's like someone has given you a million dollars. If you invest it and make it grow, then you benefit and can help others. But if you put that money away and not do anything, then you're not benefiting from it. So daily practice is, is you know, expanding your investment, so to say, for your own self. So that is helpful, not essential, but definitely quite important. Thank you. Um, I wanted to know how meditation works from your point of view. I always think, um, is it when the mind stills, then the soul is felt? And then the more the soul can be felt, then the more that can take over awareness? 
or is it more focus the more we focus on something like third eye then the presence can uh, become more through that <laughs> after all these years that's why I want to hear meditation I, 101 huh? well I want to hear from you <coughs> why it's the most powerful tool as you say that and the mantra Well, again, you heard this a million times, but as Dhyanyogiri said, all practices, of course, have their own standing importance and significance. But uh, some practices is like writing on water. You know, you, you write it, but you yourself cannot read it the next second. It's, it's gone. So the impact of that practice is, is quite shallow. And then some practices is like writing on sand. It can be written, but it's very, very easy to erase. The impact is quite shallow. And when you meditate, the impact on the soul is like something that is carved on a solid rock. The impact is very, very profound and, and lasts for a long, longer time. So in that sense of the reaching the soul, that is the most powerful practice. The technical reason behind that being again, the key is no matter what the practice, concentration. So whatever may be the practice, you know, even for a devotee chanting, but are you one with the chant? Are you one with the form of the chant? As long as that is not happening, it's just an external thing of re repeating the words. So that concentration there also is required. Similarly, for the, for the gnani, you know, who am I, who am I, who am I? You can sit there for a million years repeating that. But that process of removing everything that is blocking that process of experiencing who am I needs to happen. So there also there is a level of concentration that is required. And yoga, as you already know by now, the eightfold path, yam, niyam, asan, pranam, pratyar, dharna, dhyan and samadhi. So concentration, meditation and samadhi is the experience of the soul. What is separating you from that experience currently is nothing but your own mind. You are trying to meditate but the mind is all over the universe. And that is what we are trying to do. That extrovert mind through Pratyahar, bring it internally. You focus it on that object of concentration. And your concentration should get so profound, it should get so deep, then you are meditating. So I the subject and the, and the object. So I am meditating on Christ. So I am different, Christ is different, and I am aware of the process of, of concentration that I am separate, that's why I am meditating on Christ. 
And gradually as you practice, it's just me and Christ. The, the process that I am concentrating begins to diminish. And finally, that state of I and my Father are one. There is no difference. I am the Son of God. So that merging occurs, which is the experience of the soul. That is the state of Samadhi. So the whole process is dissolving the mind. A mind that is interfering with the process of, of the consciousness experiencing it. So when we say the soul is to be felt, no. The, when, you're, when you're talking of feeling, still the mind is getting in that process of, of experience. And yes, we are going to experience the soul. When therefore, because the experience is that the mind is still involved. But again, it's as like tasting something that is sweet, something that is sugar. We all know what dessert tastes like, but can anyone describe it? That's not possible. Because when you want to describe it, you have to step down, bring your mind and speech, the senses in between, and that experience is beyond the mind and the senses. So, it's just a matter of your inner practice that will lead you to that experience of what that soul or sweetness or the bliss is all about. So you may read about, you know, spiritual experiences, you may hear about spiritual experiences, but that is still someone else's, you know, someone writes a book on what chocolate tastes like, it is, you know, it is still something different. Until you eat chocolate, there is no entity in the world that can fully justify that experience. So, similarly, meditation is, is that uh, practice or it is so profound that it will take you to the taste of what that bliss or sweetness is all about. And as Dhyanagiri said, there's everything to benefit and gain and nothing to lose. So, because it's the core energy that you are expanding within yourself through the processes of meditation, all the mental energies which are, so to say, spent uselessly outside and unharnessed into the key vital force, the prana within, which is radiating from the soul per se, and therefore, your physical well-being, your mental well-being, all those energies which are necessary to function both in life and in the journey to experience the soul, those are all concentrated to the right levels, so to say. And therefore, you benefit in, in all ways, both in, in life and in the journey towards the end of life and merging back with God. Why are we here, Yuji? Why are we here? Why are we as human beings? Why are we here striving to be something else and to reach something else? Why are we here? What is our purpose here? That's that's a question which no one has an answer to. 
you, you, as Dhyanyogi said, when you meet God, ask him. He will tell you. But technically, again, the whole purpose of, of creation, so to say, is uh, that the soul merge back into God. There's a nice illustration, so to say, with Dr. Swami Vivekananda and one of his disciples, Sister Nivedita. So, again, the same question. But a raindrop is falling on, on, on the ocean. It's falling. And as it is falling, it is <clears throat> crying louder and louder and desperate that I'm going to lose myself, lose my identity once I drop uh, into the ocean and become one with it. So that, that's the journey of life, as Vivekananda said, that that is inevitable, that is what we are here for, that individual drop, that soul, but it has to merge into the infinite. And why God did that, that no one has the answer. That's his wish. And again, only you can ask him and if he has the answer for you once that happens. But that is the process of the journey of life and the journey of the soul. Once you have to merge with the ocean and become the ocean. After that, if you like, you can again become a raindrop and become a cloud and come again. That's a different process should you choose that that is what you want. But until you have merged with that ocean, that journey of becoming that raindrop, so to say, is infinite, running into the cloud and then coming back until you merge into the ocean is an infinite process. But it's just a process of creation and that's where we are all knowingly or unknowingly headed that our main purpose or goal in life is to merge back with God, that's all. That's the purpose here. Everything here is, is just temporary, you know, we have our bodies and we do what everything, we have our relatives and friends or whatever, our goals in life, but that is just temporary, you know, it has a beginning and therefore an end. But in the midst of all that, the focus or the goal is to merge back with God to be in that ocean again. Go ahead, last question. Why do so, some people suffer more than the others, you know? If it's a raindrops, you know, raindrop could have a shorter life, longer life, but they're kind of the same, right? But when we are here, some people, they suffer so much. Some people, they're mm. always happy all their life. Well, and then yeah. how do we justify that? that? There again is the, the law of karma. You, you have a choice of action. You came to a meditation here, you could have been doing something nasty outside. That is what brings peace or that is what brings suffering. So individual action of, from their choices is what brings suffering or no suffering. And again, you know, there's things that happen which we don't understand. Uh, but again, that is a process of unfoldment. But truly speaking, it is what we have done as a part of, you know, our life, which is good actions will bring good fruits, bad actions will bring bad fruits. So that's just individual design that has brought that upon God or the Absolute Consciousness has nothing to do with that except that as you sow, 
so shall you reap. That is the law of karma, that's all. <coughs> okay, let's thank you all for joining us this morning and of course we'd love to see you again on Friday. We always end our meditations and mornings with a short prayer for world peace. So please sit silently with your eyes closed and send out energy for the peace and welfare of all humanity. Sarve bhavantu sukhinaha Sarve santu niramaya Sarve bhadrani pasyantu Makaschid Dukhavag Bhavet Makaschid Dukhavag Bhavet Om Shanti Shanti Shanti